0: It's Wednesday. I'm Simon Miller and unsurprisingly, you will listen to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Now, we've got a lot going on today. I've got some uh, some stuff I want to fill you in on, in on too. But just to give you a rundown of the episode before we go a little bit off course, we do have an interview with TNA's Moose. TNA's, do it all the time. Impact Moose. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Sounds like some kind of product you buy in Sainsbury's. But yeah, but the Moose... Uh, formerly of Ring of Honor fame, now of Impact fame, who will be starring in Slammiversary 15 this weekend. He's in a big tag team match. We were able to sit down with him. We had a a chat with him about everything. He talks about Omega Okada, Mayweather, McGregor, WWE, Impact, Slammiversary, Japan, everything. So we go in deep with the move, so you can look forward to that soon. Uh, You may have seen by the title, we are predicting Great Balls of Fire today because, as a side note, I'm actually away next week it's the first uh, time I've taken off in literally years. Uh, I'll try, I can try and drop a get something recorded, hopefully, but it'll be so you know not not in date. I don't know whether it's worth it. So I thought we'd predict Balls of Fire today. And uh, if you're not part of the Facebook group, make sure you search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast in the Facebook group, and look out for the Prediction League. Uh, you know that that's a that's a real thing. Maybe when we get to the end of the year, we can do a little. You know, whoever's at the top can win some kind of a prize. Or something like that, but something I did want to address, just because I know there's an audience out there, and you know, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a change for me, a bit of a shift, and and hopefully, if you enjoy this podcast, you'll you'll see where I'm coming from. Uh, but if you know anything about my career, I did mention this a couple of weeks ago, but now that it's all gone down, you know, I've basically the last week, last few days. I have come to the end of a couple of my retainer contracts as a freelancer. That's something I can do because I want to focus more on this podcast. As you've seen, sometimes it doesn't go up day on day on Wednesday because other things gets in the way. And I want to focus on my own YouTube stuff, which is youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the Miller Report rules. And basically, it's my big push to see whether I can make all this stuff self sustainable. I love doing it, but you know, if it's not something that I can make a living from, to be completely honest, I am going to have to start. Start winding it down. So this is the quick advert, a quick shill. No point in returning otherwise. Honesty and transparency is key. Uh, to say if you ever have enjoyed uh, the podcast, uh, or if you know if any of my on my content you do enjoy, if you could go and sub to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash the middle Report Rules. That would be awesome. And above and beyond that, if you could go to patreon.com for slash Simon316 and support me financially, that would be fantastic too. And yes, that is me asking for money, but that's what this is all about. There's no point, you know, of course it's about me following my passions and, and me wanting to be creative. Of course, that's why I love doing this stuff. But there's no point pretending it's not also about, you know, seeing if I can make this, if I can live off this, make a living. And, you know, without wanting to go into into too much detail, the uh, money I was being paid from the likes of Video Gamer and PC Games End that I'm now no longer doing was, and it wasn't huge, because this stuff never is, but it was enough for me to be able to live my life, you know, and be able to buy food. And obviously, I I stopped doing that. And if everyone that listened to this even gave a dollar, which is like, what, 65p at the moment, it would make a huge difference. So I just wanted to put that out there at the start. Again, a YouTube sub would be amazing if we can build the youtube channel that would be great but if you could support through patreon.com for simon of 316 even for a dollar you would genuinely be making my life and to, to borrow a, a line from the laps fan podcast that if you're and if you, you if you know what that is good for you <laughs> if you don't i strongly advise you add the laps fan to your podcast uh, your podcast downloads but do what's right and get up in that ass. In terms of the YouTube channel as well, I know a lot of people want to see the podcast. Obviously, we do a gaming podcast as well called The Week in Gaming, which I'll also pimp out now. Uh, They are going to start going up on the YouTube channel. I don't want to spam it too much though. So this is what's going to happen. This will be, I will put this up on the YouTube channel today, but it will be unlisted and I'll give that link to Patreons. Uh, just because I've got a, a weekly schedule now for the YouTube channel as well. And you can find that by going to the YouTube channel or watching the video that's up there. Uh, there's a video on there now called, you know, Why I've Left Video Gamer and What's Next. All the information is in that. I won't bore you with that here. Um, but yeah, I'm going to put that unlist- unlisted for patrons for now just so it's there. And then I will put the, the wrestling podcast live on a Sunday and I will put the weekend Gaming live on a Saturday, just because otherwise way too much content is going to go up. And as I've seen from YouTube, when you do that, you, you run the risk of, of confusing people and not not uh, kind of, you know, using YouTube in the best possible way. So that's just a quick intro. Sorry to steal away your time. Any support you could give me would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but if nothing else, thank you for downloading this. That's support in itself. We grow each and every week. Uh, please, though, you know, go. Uh, can't talk. Go leave a review and do all that stuff. Share with a friend. Tell a friend. Go on Reddit. Go on Twitter. Go on Facebook. Go on whatever. Share all this stuff and let's see where we can get to. But enough waffling from me. We're going to start the podcast with your man Moose uh like i say, he was he was willing to chat to us about anything very open guy very uh, very interesting cat as stone cold steve austin would say so here we are, here he is impact superstar moose how much uh sort of interaction have you had with jeff jarrett before before he came back to uh, to uh, to impact i'd just say oh uh, man i mean I, i've known jeff for quite a bit of time now maybe i think 4
1: years and um so i mean i've always known him and um we've been friends and um uh, we talk from time to time so um, I knew who it was. He knew who I was, and we spoke. I mean, we not only knew who each other was, but we was actually buddies. So, um, him coming back to the company was great because I actually get to work with somebody I watched as a kid and looked up to as a kid that pretty much understands the wrestling, the in and outs of the wrestling business, and learn from
0: him. And how how much has he brought to the to the sort of the mo- the Moose character as well? I mean, has he had any ideas or suggestions, or you know, did he have enough faith in you that? You know, you know, kind of, you knew what you were doing, and just left you to your own devices.
1: Um, He has enough faith in me for me to just let me do my thing. I mean, sometimes he he comes and he gives me little tips here and there, um, so that that can make the character better. But at the end of the day, the character is more Moose is more me, me anyway. So, what you see on TV is who I am. Just on the regular.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And what do you want? What do you want to achieve going forward in in Impact Wrestling as well? I mean, because I think the best thing about it almost starting again, for lack of a better term, is now you really don't know where the ceiling is. You know, a lot of people before were maybe like, well, you know, we, we've kind of hit a bit of a plateau here. But you know, you get new ownership, you start again. You know, where where do you think the company can get to now, where you have kind of hit the reset button?
1: Um, like you said, it, perfect. We nobody knows what the ceiling is right now, which that's a good thing. So um, with that being said, um, I think it's everybody's job to work their ass off and to give 100 to 10% with everything they do, if that's in ring or with stuff they do outside of the ring. And um, I think it's only going to get better. I mean, um, we, knew, we know how good Impact was when we was in the prime of the company, and it's our goal. We know exactly what went, went wrong when the, the decline started. So we know, and I think Jeff knows that. I think only Jeff knows how to get us back to where the company was when we was in the prime of the company. I think that's what we're working on doing.
0: And what would you say, Kind of, do you have sort of specific things you'd like to see the company do to ensure you get back there? Or is it more just of a team effort, good stories, good wrestling, that kind of stuff?
1: I think, I mean, I, 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 like, luckily I feel like, I don't, I mean, I'm not in the talent meetings or in the, in the meetings when they talk what we need to do. But I, uh, I know Scott, the um, and Sanjay, they're both, they're both guys are both in office. I know they're always in the meetings and I know I've discussed with them things that we need. And it seems like they listen because, um, I feel like right now wrestling has, is, it's kind of evolving where, um, believe it or not, um, the, the indie scene is taking over wrestling. And I feel like what WWE not trying not, not to even mention another company, but what WWE and companies like Ring of Honor has done is they have gotten a lot of the popular indie guys in their company. Um and I mean like look at a company like WWE. Most of the top guys in WWE are ex indie guys. Absolutely, yeah. Same thing with Ring of Honor. A lot of the top guys in Ring of Honor are ex-indie guys. And um, I feel like for the longest, once this revolution of wrestling start started happening, TNA was the only company that didn't really pick up indie guys, you know? Yeah. But now if you look at some of the our signings recently, um, we just signed Desmond Xavier, which he's a upcoming indie guy. And he has a real big name in the indie scene right now and um i think were popular in the indie so and, and i feel like they're now joining the wave of picking some of this indie wrestlers because that's what that's what the revolution entails is you know
0: absolutely yeah i mean i was going to ask you about that cuz obviously when the the transition happened you obviously lost some guys you went out there and picked up some guys as well so do you feel like the roster in its current state is enough, I guess, for lack of a better term, or do you still hope the company picks up some more?
1: I mean, I, I I never think it's enough because, like I said, like there's still a lot of good guys out there in the indie scene that could that could definitely um, co- contribute to impact. I mean, there, there's still a lot of guys available that's gonna be available here soon, and um, I, I feel like I feel like for us to compete with with some of these other good companies and um we have to do what they're doing and right now i feel like everybody's just trying to scoop up all the hot young talent from the indie scene uh, like for instance i mean i have been on cue to saying this um i've had phenomenal matches with a guy called joe coffee here in the uk scene and he's an indie guy he's phenomenal i've, I've had some of my best matches against him, and I've, I mean, I hope TNA sees that and 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 signs him because I feel like he'll make the company better. I mean, he's he's a great worker and he cuts good promos and his in he has a good attitude and his in ring stuff is good. So hopefully, all that stuff adds up and um, TNA sees that and and maybe brings brings them in.
0: Another thing that you guys are now, you know, it mentioned the evolution and getting more guys in. One of the things you're obviously doing is you're bringing back pay-per-views and you've got Slammiversary in a couple of weeks where you're going to be involved. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that, you know, the pay-per-view is coming back and, you know, where would you like to see that get to?
1: Um, yeah, that's That's definitely key. Um, I mean, I remember back in the day, TNA, as, as a fan, not, not even as a wrestler, as a fan, I remember TNA used to have um, monthly pay-per-views, but when the decline in the company happened, when Jeff left, um, they kind of like, um, they had to slow slow that down because we was actually losing money. But I feel like, um, and you absolutely said it right, um, with Jeff coming back at Anthem um, taking taking control over the company. I feel like that's something we're gonna get back to. And I just feel like for for our pay per views to work, we just have we have to have a lot of buzz going on with impact wrestling. And I think um I think in the since in the last three months since um, the new ownership and the new change happened. I mean, I feel like the buzz is, is, is generating slowly, but surely, I mean, nothing is built in one day, you know, but, um, I think we're doing a good job of bringing that buzz back with impact wrestling. And, um, like you mentioned, we have slam anniversary coming up, uh, July 2nd in the state and the, and the fans there in the UK could watch it on, on the next day on, um, spike UK, I believe. And, um. For free, that is, too, at 9 p.m., I believe.
0: I think that's right, yeah.
1: And, yeah, I feel like um, you're going to see some great wrestling. There's a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of great matches um, to see on the car, like the main event, Bobby Lashley versus Alberto de Patron. Um Myself and my secret partner um, <laughs> versus Eli Drake and um, Chris Adonis. And... You have the Wolves, or the, the group that used to be called the Wolves, with Davey Richards and his wife, um, Angelina, um, going against um, Alicia and Eddie Edwards, which in a full Met, metal mayhem match, which I think that's, that's the match I'm most excited to see because that's never happened before. You never had a, a pretty much a. Uh, mixed tag match anything goes you know so yeah that's gonna be bananas that's probably gonna be <laughs> the match of the night there with all the crazy stuff that's going on and um I, then you have the the knockouts match i think it's for both titles on the line so i think this is a stacked card man uh, um um if I'm not mistaken, we have some guys from Mexico coming in, some guys from Japan coming in. So this this is gonna be a stacked pay per view. This is a pay per view you don't want to miss, man. And this is our 15th anniversary, which makes it sweeter. We all think we all want to know who the who's gonna be inducted to the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, on of this pay-per-view. So, um, man, it's gonna be exciting, man. I, I can't I can't wait. I can't wait to to, to the day before. Or the day of the pay per view, getting ready, wearing, getting ready for this for all these, all the matches, man.
0: Impact's got the the app now, and obviously the the world we live in is is kind of shifting towards you know these subscription based services and on demand video. Do you can you ever see a time where, for example, Slammiversary next year would be? you know, via some form of impact subscription service instead of pay-per-view? Or do you think the company's going to, you know, double down and and stick with pay-per-view for now? Because as we've seen over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, a company like UFC has proved that, you know, pay-per-view certainly isn't dead and there's still a market there.
1: No, the pay-per-view is not dead. Uh, It's it's not dead at all. I mean, we know why WWE decided to quit the pay-per-views because they started their pretty much their own Netflix of... Pretty much, that's what it is. Um, but no, pay per views not dead. There. There's still other wrestling companies that have monthly and bi monthly pay per views. Like we, we have pay per views still. And if I'm not believe, our numbers on those pay per views are still decent. Um, Ring of Honor still have pay per views, and so pay per view is definitely not dead. UFC has it. Uh, boxing shows have it. So it's not dead. I feel like um, we just have to have enough good content. To make somebody want to pay fifty bucks for a pay per view, and I think that we're, we're working our we're working our way back to maybe if not doing the monthly pay per views, but they're doing the bi monthly pay per views. So.
0: and just uh, as it's come up kind of naturally as well. Do you have any thoughts on Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, considering that could be the biggest pay per view of all time?
1: Um, it is going to be the biggest pay per view of all time. I also think it's going to be a rip off. Um, I, I think I, it's funny because I think that's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a money grabber. And I say all those negative things about it, and I'm still going to pay $100 to to see the fight. It's like one of those things where you know that somebody is like the boxing world is conning me for $100, but I'm still going to let them con me. I'm going to give them my $100. I mean... It, and it's it's so upsetting because we all know what the outcome of this fight is going to be. We all know that Conor McGregor has no chance in hell to win in this fight. We all know that we're being ripped off of a hundred dollars of whatever the price of the pay per view is going to cost. We all know this stuff, but we all going to pay the money to see it. It's weird how that how that is. It's very weird, but I mean, I mean, it's a great money grab for both guys. I mean. Oh, yeah. it's, it's great for what it is. They're both going to be rich as hell, rich for their life, for their kids' lives after this fight. But I mean, the honest truth is, Conor McGregor is gonna is is gonna lose unless he lands a kick in there somewhere. You <laughs> never know, uh, right? You
0: never know. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess I'm
1: watching the fight to see if he, if he ends
0: up giving
1: up and just throwing a kick.
0: Oh, dude, look, you and me both, man. They've got me, even though I know how ridiculous it all is. Uh, going back into wrestling as well, it's been five or so years since you started your wrestling career. How far do you think you've come? And so far, what do you think the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome have been?
1: Um, Luckily, I haven't had really any hurdle the, to the, the overcome. I mean, I think it, it hasn't ever been five years yet. I had my first wrestling match. October of two thousand thirteen.
0: Oh, okay. So it's four years then. Almost. So, almost four uh, years. Jeez.
1: Yeah, almost four years. So um it hasn't I haven't had my um it hasn't been no hurdle. I think the transition has been quite easy so far. So hopefully I, I, I don't get any hurdles. I mean, maybe a hurdle is driving twelve hours for a show and I, I hated being in the car for twelve hours just to wrestle for twenty. 15, 20 minutes and then driving right back home.
0: Yeah, it's tough. But,
1: yeah, other than that, like, it's been quite easy.
0: Do you think your NFL career helped with that at all? Because obviously, you know, you were you're an athlete before all this, so you understood, you know, hard work, dedication, fitness, all that kind of, you know, all of that. Do you think that played into to the sort of the, the transition to wrestling and why you find it so easy?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. I think it definitely played into it. Um, um I think... What the NFL teaches you is discipline. Um, it teaches you discipline. It teaches you uh, how important of your uh, your schedule being on your being on your schedule, which helped me a lot with football with wrestling.
0: And do you think was it hard mentally as well? Because when you're in the NFL, you know it's very. Com- it's kind of competitive in wrestling as well. Obviously, it's a different kind of competitiveness. Was it hard to make that metal, mental switch between you know stopping seeing your opponent as an opponent and teach your brain to you know work with somebody else instead, but also make it look like an opponent?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you got to think about this, and I didn't even really think realize this until I had a conversation with D'Angelo Williams a couple of weeks ago. In football, you're always taught to go against your opponent. When wrestling you always thought to go work with your opponent. So yeah. with, just with that mindset alone, there's a there's a big difference in that. But um when you have like I said, when you have love for something, usually the transition in whatever that thing is is gonna come easy for you because you have you're passionate about doing whatever that is.
0: It's true true. And what about when you actually sort of, you know, decided I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the NFL, I'm gonna become a wrestler. How was the training itself? I mean, was it was you what you expected would it be? Was it a surprise? Did you ever get to the point where you thought, you know what, this isn't for me, I want to quit and just persevered regardless?
1: Uh, no, I never had. A, I, I never thought about one minute quitting. Um, I always knew it was something I wanted to do. I didn't care how hard it was or how easy it was. I knew something about me, once I have a mindset to do something, no matter how long it takes me to do it or how hard that thing is, I'm going to get it done.
0: Where you are now as well, obviously, you you with you with Impact Wrestling, but you do a lot of independent dates as well. And over here in the UK, is that how you always kind of saw your career going, or do you think eventually you will settle down with one company and kind of establish more of a base?
1: Um, I think the goal was when I got into wrestling was to sign with a company, but um, like right now you you, you hit it on the uh, on on where I'm with a company. I uh, I'm, I have a I'm contracted with Impact Wrestling, but the 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 pride in me won't let me just sit home and not do anything. So um I'm always trying to get bookings outside of impact wrestling. And I feel like me working outside of impact wrestling is only gonna make me a better wrestler. It's only gonna make my work in impact wrestling better. Hmm. So I always strive to 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 travel all around the world and wrestle all different styles and wrestle with different guys. To make me better
0: and kind of through all of that as well, is there anyone you've learned the most from? Is there anyone you sort of you came across that took you under their wing or gave you some advice that really would just improve i guess
1: oh um, yeah it's a, it's a bunch of guys that helped me with it i mean in my in my ring of honor days, we have we had guys like Jay Leith on the Briscoe brothers, and you know that that kind of like took me under their wing and guided me and showed me how to be a better worker, you know. So, I mean, I could I could sit here and name guys, for name you a, a bunch of guys that have helped me in this journey that we call professional wrestler.
0: And, and you mentioned all those guys as well. Uh, something that does come up a lot between wrestlers like you mentioned and some of the old guard, you know, there is this current wrestling debate where... There seems to be, you know, some people seem to be at odds in terms of what pro wrestling should be. You know, you got the mention of the dives. You know, is there too much, uh, you know, high athletic moves, too much high spots and not enough storytelling? Where do you kind of come down on that? I mean, do, are you more for, you know, the athletics in the ring or do you think we do need more storytelling in 2017?
1: I think people, grown men, and this is no shot towards nobody because I've never been that kind of guy to, like, throw shade or the... I don't do that whole... Beef and stuff in wrestling. If you ask people know me, they know that um, I'm I'm pretty much cool with everybody. But I feel like there's no wrong answer with in wrestling. There's no wrong wrong answer at all in wrestling. Wrestling is whatever you, whatever the two guys or the four guys or the six guys or the thirty guys in the ring make it out of. That's what wrestling is. I mean, you can't tell a guy that, oh, you dive too much, but in the same company, I've seen freaking a guy run down the ramp in a Royal Rumble match, pull a ladder out, put it in the ring, (laughs) thinking it's a ladder match. And you know what I'm saying? Like wrestling is whatever you make it, you make it. There's no wrong answer in wrestling. If you have a match and you dive a hundred times, if the fan loves it, then the fan loves it. If you go in there and you technical wrestle, for 30 minutes and the fans love it and the fans love it but there's no wrong answer and in, in wrestling. i mean I, i've seen randy orton say his things about dives and i mean that's what he believes and you can't knock him for it because like i said there's no wrong answer in wrestling but like in the same company that he works for like i said i've seen some crazy stuff happen you know what i'm saying in that same company and and you can't knock you can't knock the company for that because that's that's entertainment. Wrestling is entertainment. Like, there's 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 no wrong answer in wrestling. None at all. No, I, I totally agree with you. But watching wrestling is like watching a movie. Like, sometimes you might go to a movie and the, you might not like the movie. It might not be your cup of tea, but that doesn't mean the movie sucked. It's just not your cup of tea. Do so you go watch another movie? They'll go watch another movie. Randy Orton just don't like don't like wrestlers who dive a lot.
0: And with that in mind as well, what do you remember being the first thing you saw in regards to pro wrestling, bit when you were a kid or whatever that really kind of you know got you involved in it or it got you involved as a fan?
1: Um, what got me involved as a fan watching wrestling as a kid was was um, the ninety two Royal Rumble. That was the first thing I ever watched that made me an instant fan. Yeah,
0: it's a good Royal Rumble.
1: Yeah, that was the one where Ric Flair won it all.
0: That's right. Yeah, he went from he went from the start and he won the he won the world championship at the end as well. And when, so when when you when that kind of came to a close, did you say to yourself, "I'm going to be a wrestler"? But then you kind of took that detour through the NFL as well, or did that kind of come later in life?
1: I think that right there made me start watching wrestling. I think I don't think I, I decided when I was eight years old that I wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah. I think I decided that I wanted to be a wrestler when more I was like 15, 16 years old, but being eight years old and watching 92 rumble was what got me to be a fan of wrestling.
0: Absolutely. And uh, just one more question for you as well. Nice, nice and simple. What's next for the moose? Um, I, um,
1: honestly, I just want to get through this tour that I'm doing here in the UK. I get to go home July 1st and then I get, um, I just want to get home to Orlando and get ready for slammiversary the next day. And, Um, Go from there. I mean, we'll see. I'm not big on making long term goals. Um, I like I'm one of those guys that live in the now. And I mean, all I do, all I know is every time I step in the wrestling ring, I try to entertain the fans and also get myself better and learn. So.
0: Sounds good. I lied to you. I do actually have one more question because I was intrigued if you managed to catch the uh, the second encounter between Omega and Okada at New Japan's Dominion show. Obviously it caused a lot of hoopla because a lot of people called it the best match of all time. I was wondering if you had seen it, what your thoughts on it were? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I could
1: imagine it not being the best match of all time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: just me. Uh, my opinion on what it takes to have on the best I don't think you could have the best match of all time in in Japan that's just that's just just my that's just my my take on it I feel like to have the best match of all time um and it's to have the best match of all time it has to be a match that is um viewable by the masses yeah. Um, uh, it has to, it can't just be all, and don't get me wrong. I, I Don't get me wrong. Okada and Omega to me, honestly, are the top three in my book are the top three best wrestlers in the world. I think is if I had to pick the top five best wrestling in the world, Okada and both Omega would both be on it. And don't get me wrong. Their match was probably a really, 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 really good, great wrestling match. But just because of the fact that it was in Japan, I can't say that it's the best wrestler in, in the world because the fans don't react that much to make anything the best wrestling match in the world. Like, honestly, like, have you... I'm sure you've seen the match between Hulk Hogan and, um, and The Rock.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, WrestleMania 18.
1: Now, to me and you could call me stupid, to me, that's the best wrestling in the world. And it's funny that I say that because neither of those two guys that provided the best wrestling match in the world good better wrestlers than Kenny Omega or Okada. Not the Rock isn't better than Kenny Omega, in-ring that is. No, is Hulk Hogan better than Kenny Omega, in-ring work, or Okada, but the what the reason why I put the match with those two being probably the best match I've ever seen is because of how the fans interacted during that match, and that's something you don't get in. And I've wrestled in in, in Japan plenty of times, and the way that crowd reacted in that WrestleMania match is something you don't get in Japan.
0: Fair enough. I think that's a great take on it all. Well, Moose, yeah. take So go on, man.
1: No, no no and and that's just my opinion and like I said I'm not saying nothing bad against Kenny and I'm not saying nothing bad against Okada cuz like I said I've looked up to Okada and I I my I made my wrestling style pretty much after how he wrestles and Kenny Omega to me is one of the best wrestlers in the world if not the best wrestler in the world yeah. but I just I would have to see them wrestle a stop wrestle each other in either in the UK or where you where the the fans could kind of you know what I'm saying, I, I feel like it, yeah, yeah, I feel like the fans can has to be part of the best wrestling match in the world because their reaction they the way they 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 take stuff has to do with it, you know.
0: Yeah, it builds emotion. I can see what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it,
1: it builds it builds emotion, and the way that the Japanese crowd react doesn't. I don't think they react enough for you know. What I'm saying not saying that the crowd there isn't great because the Japanese crowd is they're awesome. It's just
0: the way different. they react is different to yeah. where, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's a great opinion, man. Thank you very much for your take on it. Well, thank you very much for your time as well. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the tour and good luck with everything Impact going forward. All right, thanks. Genuinely, an absolutely lovely man. I had a brief uh, chat with him before the interview started. And he was just a really, really nice guy, open for talking about anything, didn't get offended, didn't get, you know, put out, didn't feel like I was steering the conversation the wrong way. So I want to thank Impact for the time, and of course, thank Moose for for opening up. Now, as we said at the start of the show, we are taking next week off. So we're going to sit down now, and we're going to go through Great Balls of Fire. Now, because we're still two weeks away, there are some matches which we probably haven't had announced yet. But I'm going to guess. So I could get, you know, I could. Get, it is completely wrong, but my thinking was, well, it's better just to assume they are going to happen, given how WWE operates, rather than you know hope they're not and not give and not give a prediction for them. But we do have a good five or six or so solid matches that have been confirmed, so we can do this. And let's be honest, and we get into Raw and SmackDown and all of that stuff too. But WWE did basically present Raw this week as the go home show for Great Balls of Fire because they know next week is July Fourth weekend, and if you don't know, that's when ratings really do suffer because America treats that as a big holiday as you'd imagine so they basically fully loaded this show and I did Raw I thought Raw was great to be honest so I imagine next week they'll probably kind of just go over the same angles and announce what other matches are there so I don't think there's going to be too much of a change what we do know is going to happen is we have the main event we've got Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal title I, I'm I'm beyond confident in saying that I think Brock Lesnar's going to win. I don't think anybody would argue that unless WWE pulled out a huge swerve. But that doesn't matter because Samoa Joe so far in this feud has been built up basically perfectly. I think before this all began, if any of us were going to sit down and try and you know work out what WWE were going to do to allow Samoa Joe to have this much offense, to you know on Raw he had he got the one up over Brock Lesnar. You know, he came out as the Lesnar was walking to the ring, put him in the Kikita Clutch, and no matter what Lesnar tried, he couldn't shake Samoa Joe off. So now, Samoa Joe seems like he's on Brock Lesnar's level. All we've got to do now is get into the match and make sure we continue that on. So, you know, they can beat the crap out of each other, that's fine, and Lesnar can win. But as long as Joe comes across like he deserved to be in there and that he was competitive, then he'll come out the other side feeling like a much bigger deal. And if we plan it well and make sure that he then segues into another program where he can feel strong, Samoa Joe's going to be a player. And I think given that when he did... Although it was cool when he arrived on Raw on the main roster, it wasn't anything sort of super defining. This is the first defining thing he's done on Raw. And I genuinely think you can use all of that to you know to make a big deal out of this. So that's the key here. What I expect to happen is I expect they're going to kick the absolute crap out of each other. And that's what I want. Like even if it's on the ground for a while, that's fine. Like obviously you want to see some standing, you want to see some, you know, some vicious shots, you want to see some suplexes from Brock. I know a lot of people say they're bored of that, but it is fun. And I want to see, you know, I want to see Samoa Joe um uh, sorry Brock Lesnar give a German suplex to Samoa Joe. I want to see Samoa Joe get right back up. Like, proper New Japan stuff, and then wallop him for a while. Um, And then, you know, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar hopefully can put over Joe after the fact. And then it does look like we are. I mean, we'll see what happens with Reigns versus Strowman. We'll get to that in a second. But certainly the rumors have now changed from it being Reigns versus Lesnar at WrestleMania 34 to it being Reigns versus Lesnar at SummerSlam with the potential matchup of John Cena and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 34. So that's a that's a there's a bunch of interesting matches in the pot right there. Obviously it's all rumor and speculation. We don't know what's true and what's not true. But there's interest there. I think given that Raw has been good for the last few weeks, hopefully we're on to we're coming into better days, I hope. But yeah, Brock Lesnar over Samoa Joe. The key with this match again isn't the victor, it's how Samoa Joe is used because this is WWE. There's every chance that Vince wakes up on that Sunday and goes, "You know what?" I'm going to have Brock Lesnar whoop this guy's ass. And that would be bad. That would negate everything we've done over the last few weeks. It would be a real shame. Not deserving, you know, Joe doesn't deserve that. Joe deserves to be treated like a main eventer here. Especially because Brock Lesnar will go away again. And if Brock Lesnar goes away again, you need, uh, you know, troops. You need troops to, to ensure that, that that space is being covered. And allowing Joe to feel more special than the rest of the pack is no bad thing. And then he can try and bring somebody else with him up as well. The real thing is, who the hell does he go to after this? I don't have an answer for that. I always wanted to see Samoa Joe versus John Cena. And he is a free agent now, Cena. But I have a feeling that he's going to predominantly still be on SmackDown and go up against Jinder Mahal. That's my gut feeling. I've also got a gut feeling we may get a title versus title match at WrestleMania between him and Reigns. And that they unify the titles. But I think that's me fantasy booking from afar. It's Just a weird gut feeling I've got. You know, the... I just think if you're trying to improve ratings, having one proper champion that jumps between both brands, and that is how you could tie the John Cena storyline in eventually, that he does become champ and he can jump both brands and then you have to explain it, but whoever beats him can then also jump both brands. I just think it makes the title for more important. I think then you're going to get, you, you you can have a, a sell job, for lack of a better term, to get people to tune in to either Raw or SmackDown. If you are having a bad week, so the champ's going to be on the show, uh... I just think it works. And also, you know, and then if you do have someone that has a Brock Lesnar-type schedule, maybe he's more open to popping up every now and then because there's more choice there. There's more variety. I don't know. Probably fantasy booking like a madman there. But obviously, my choice is Brock Lesnar. Love Samoa Joe, but I just, I can't see all that work done with the Goldberg stuff and who eventually they want Brock. uh, Joe's not the guy they want Brock to lose to, would be my guess. But we will see. Which does bring us to Roman Reigns versus uh, Braun Strowman. I've really enjoyed this feud. Obviously, Braun getting injured actually helped it because it stopped it from uh, from losing momentum or, or starting to feel old. But I I really I think they're both great. I think Roman Reigns is kind of new character. Where he comes out and doesn't really give a shit. It's fantastic. I don't hate Roman Reigns like a lot of people do. I'm kind of so far past whatever it was we didn't like about him to begin with. I just enjoy him as a character, and I think he is really good in the ring. And some of the bumps he took for Strowman on Raw where he just, you know, let him get thrown into the ambulance like a dart. I thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And Braun Strowman at this point is just a cartoon character, but in the best possible way, he reminds me of a big guy from the 80s. And the reason that feels so special is because we had transitioned away from that. So the fact we've now transitioned back into it makes it feel fresh. And he pulls it off really well and he's come on leaps and bounds. And I do think Roman Reigns has helped with that. I do think Roman Reigns is very good in the ring. I do think Roman Reigns has been steering these matches. And I think he deserves a lot of the credit for Braun Strowman's evolution. And I'm sure that will wind a lot of people up. But I don't think it's by chance that this has happened. I think a lot has happened there. I don't know how I feel about an ambulance match. Ambulance matches to me are so stupid. The stipulation makes absolutely no sense. I mean, A, we're having this match because you kept involving an ambulance to begin with. The question there is, why did we do this? And two... You just have to get your opponent in the back of an ambulance and drive off. I mean, that's a really strange stipulation to come up with. That's almost as bad as on a pole matches, which, you know, the, the, nothing will ever be worse than on a pole matches. Well, no, that's not true. There are worse ones, but more we don't see them as much anymore. But hey, it's a nice stipulation for the pay-per-view. It would change up the pacing. Uh, it prob- <laughs> Originally, I would have said Braun Strowman wins this because I thought Strowman was going into SummerSlam to face Lesnar. But the fact that Reigns keeps getting his ass whipped makes me think, can you have Strowman win? I mean, the good thing, goods not necessarily the right term, is that whoever loses doesn't really lose. You don't submit. You don't have your shoulders pinned to the mat. You just get put in an ambulance. Now, obviously, the other person can sell it as, well, I beat you up so much that you had to be driven away in an ambulance. You know, and then you get taken to a hospital or whatever or local medical facility. But no one actually loses. So it doesn't really matter So I'll go with what I thought the original plan was, although I'm really not as sure as I was, which is that Braun Strowman will win this. And I do think Braun Strowman should win because Roman Reigns is clearly in the mix for a big match at SummerSlam and WrestleMania. He's Roman Reigns. We understand what the deal with him is now. That's not going to change anytime soon. So it probably means that Strowman isn't necessarily... Well, if he is going against Lesnar, he'll probably lose that. So, you know, there's there's a knock there. But eventually he's going to level out Maybe just slightly below where he is now. So he needs all the wins he can get so that when he gets there, again, much like Samoa Joe, still feels like a big deal, still feels like somebody we can believe in. So that's why I'd make sure that Braun Strowman won. Whether or not that's going to happen anymore, I don't know. Especially because it is Roman Reigns, and obviously WWE are obsessed with him. And again, it could be another, we wake up and we decide, no, no, Reigns has got to win this. But I would give it to Braun Strowman. I really, really would. I think right now he has the momentum. He has fan support, even though he's meant to be a heel. He's a lot of fun. He's entertaining. And I just think you can do more with him being the victor in this match than Reigns. I don't think it hurts Reigns to lose. He's Roman Reigns. He's got a... He's got an aura about him now that you know whether we like it or not will probably be there for his entire career. He'll always be in that upper echelon, and he does deserve to be there again. I don't, I don't want to be a Roman Reigns hater, man. I got a lot of time for him. So we go Braun Strowman. I am excited for this. I thought their stuff on Raw was great. You know, uh, Reigns came out to start do the classic Raw opening promo, and then Strowman appears from nowhere and just whoops him, and it was just a lot of fun. I just, yeah, I, I, um, I couldn't. I wouldn't have predicted that this feud would have been as good as it was. And as it turns out, it's been one of my favorites of the entire year. I care about it. I like both guys. I like watching both guys work. And I'm intrigued to see how they tie in all the nonsense with an ambulance. So fair play, WWE. Um, I think you've... Uh, and also, I'm not sure they've played it up enough on television. But obviously, when Braun first got injured, they told us he was going to be out for six months knowing it was more like going to be six weeks. And I would have liked more of a, I know they touched on it, but I would have liked a much bigger push about, oh, he's back so soon, he's such a monster, maybe a vignette package or something to to, to highlight that. So that was strange, but that's neither here nor there. We also have the Titus Brand-inspired uh, <laughs> match as Neville takes on Tazawa for the Cruiserweight Championship. I hope they give this time, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I hope Neville loses, and I hope Neville does lose, because Titus O'Neil interferes now the problem with this is we are really blurring the lines between who's a heel who's a face but I don't care I really would like them to pull the trigger properly on all this Titus Brand stuff it's not necessarily amazing at the moment but it has potential and if we can get a bunch of dudes into a stable something that WWE does lack that is going to be something I look forward to each and every week because it's different and it's new and it allows people who don't have a role on the show to have a role on the show and on top of that somehow Titus O'Neil is very good in this role he's very funny he makes me laugh I find him very entertaining but you are then healing out a heel which is nuts I imagine what they will do is Tozawa will lose because of Titus O'Neil Titus O'Neill will go to interfere. Screw up. I can't believe they're taking the belt off Neville to give to Tazawa and have Titus O'Neill involved. But that's what I would do because I don't think we, although it's funny and it is stupid, I don't think we should be treating Titus O'Neil's, you know, group as a joke. I think we should treat him seriously. Put Tazawa in there. Put Apollo Crews in there. Put Callisto in there. I know they had, you know, he was on the, uh, on the uh, receiving end of it, but come up with a story. You've done worse. But get a load of guys in there and push it, even if that is being pushed on 205 Live and Raw. You should do it because Apollo Cruz. and I say these things sometimes then realize I've forgotten, but he wasn't even on Raw. So what is the point of having him in this, tied into this storyline if he's just going to be an afterthought? I thought the whole point was to stop him being that and allow him to flourish. So I'm going to say Neville wins. But I hope that they, whatever they do coming out the back of it, we can actually cement this Titus thing as an actual, as an actual, uh, you know, a group that we can look forward to each and every week, much like the Enzo and Cass stuff, which we'll get to in a bit. But much like that, let's you know let let let's let it play out on TV, let it grow, let it have twists and turns and stories, because it worked for them. We'll we'll transition to them now. I'm not necessarily sure they're going to have a match at Great Balls of Fire because all it would be is Enzo getting absolutely muddled by Cass. So let's say that if they do, Cass wins, obviously. But I do kind of break up the the structure here. I do want to give a shout-out to both those guys because I thought both of them were excellent on Raw. Enzo, while he's awful in the ring, not awful, just not my cup of tea, is a really good talker. You know, I don't actually like it when he does all the... Smack talking and jive talking. I understand that he's good at it, but it kind of annoys me more than entertains me. But when he actually you know, when he was t- talking to Cass and saying, You're my brother, you're my family, you know, I'll forgive you, I totally believe everything he was saying. Regardless whether it was scripted or not, it didn't feel that way. And he came across, Ga- and Cass did too. I mean, we all knew that Cass was going to do, you know, double down on his heel turn, but it's not the point. Sometimes it's nice to know what's going to happen, but then let it play out. And WWE did a great job in holding back and waiting and letting it build. And I think Cass as a heel is great. I think he's got a lot of fire, a lot of momentum. He cuts much better promos where he's allowed to talk like that, so maybe that taps into something in his brain. But I thought it was a great segment. Again, if they do fight at the pay-per-view, Enzo will get destroyed. I would assume this eventually transitions into Cass versus Big Show, although Big Show wasn't on Raw, which was another strange admission. But that's a great first feud for him to have, because he can win that feud. And while it doesn't mean a lot to people like us, because the Big Show feels kind of a bit, long in the tooth at this point it's still the big show he's still been around for 20 years he's still a big name he's still a former world heavyweight champion he's still a massive guy and if Cass can beat him in his first heel feud it does a lot for him gives momentum and ensures that he can slowly creep up to the main event scene and he doesn't get there too soon because that's key there's loads of people that Brock Lesnar can face at the moment who are already there you know we mentioned Strowman Reigns can do it Finn Balor Seth Rollins Samoa Joe you could do again should you want Maybe not Bray Wyatt, but we'll get to that soon too. But Cass can be there eventually, but not yet. But honestly, one of my favorite things on Raw at the moment is that story. Seems to be backed up by a lot of people who are interested. Maybe they fight the pay-per-view, maybe they don't. They don't need to. That's the thing. Enzo could be off TV for a while now, to be honest, and just let Cass cut a promo, whatever you want to do. But great stuff there uh the end of raw as well also gave us sasha Banks as the new number one contender which means we are getting alexa bliss versus banks at great Balls of fire for the title i really like what they did at the end of raw i mean having nia Jax in a 30 minute plus match probably wasn't the best idea given that she was clearly absolutely worn out towards the end of it but i thought she held her own and seeing her run through all the girls to establish her dominance i thought was fine not the best for Bayley, <laughs> who was in there first and got eliminated in about two and a half minutes or whatever it was, without really getting a lick of offense in. So where she goes from here, I don't know. Is she even on Great Balls of Fire? Probably not. So you can argue that WWE has dropped the ball there massively, which is true. They have. It Bailey. Bayley. Just go back and watch some of her matches and reactions in NXT. I understand it's a different platform, but they never really have seemed to go in that direction they you know, seem to have rushed a lot of it and portrayed, like I said, on a What Culture video I did, portrayed her more as a, as a child as opposed to someone that's child friendly, which was weird. But uh, yeah, Sasha Banks got the win. She tapped out Nia Jax. I thought that was a bit strange because if you're trying to push Nia Jax as a monster and she taps out, that kind of takes a little something away from it. However, the commentators were good to point out she'd been in there for a long time. She was worn out. So at least they protected her a little bit. And this is the best use of Sasha Banks. You know, I didn't want to see her dancing on 205 Live. She's a very talented performer, and I want to see the talented performer in the division. And also, this finally gave us a focus for the women's division, which I can find on Raw sometimes. is all over the place. It's like, let's just throw every woman into the... into, the, into I don't know they did that here too, but I'm hoping coming out the back of it, we can take a, take a step back. We can focus. It's not just a big barrage of people, which they do seem to do a lot. Um... I imagine Alexa Bliss wins. I don't think you take the title off her just yet, considering she only just won it. You don't want Sasha Banks to lose clean, though. So how you get away with that, I don't know. But I will say Alexa Bliss retains. Yeah. Ugh, I'm not 100% sure, but I'll, they, they do like hot-shotting that belt. But if Sasha Banks wins, that just seems to be the end of a feud. You could probably eke out till SummerSlam. Although apparently they want it. I don't know. I would imagine that Nia Jax is going to be programmed into the SummerSlam main event. We just saw Sasha win. Well, I guess that way. Well, it's difficult. I go Alexa Bliss, not confident at all. Which moves us on to a match I just do not care about. And I got a lot flacked by this, because again, on my What Culture ups and downs. By the way, what culture, still doing that, still loving it, best thing ever. I don't like Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt. Now, people seem to be misunderstanding me when I say that. I love Seth Rollins, the wrestler, and I love Bray Wyatt, the wrestler. I think they're incredibly talented people. And I think that... I just think WWE could be doing a lot more with them. And I just don't like this feud, is the is the be-all and end-all of it. Bray Wyatt comes out and cuts these promos that, to me, mean absolutely nothing. I guess I've said a thousand times, they're very well delivered, and he's very well-spoken. But he doesn't say anything. He talks in riddles. And even when you had characters like The Undertaker and Kane, who kind of fit into this ilk, they never spoke... Not even Papashungo spoke this confusingly. And I'm worried that this is more Papashungo than, say, someone like Kane. And Kane was a bit goofy in his own right. I think we need to change what we're doing here. I think he should just cut normal promos, but he should just do it with his intonation and delivery and voice, which will be good regardless. I'm pretty sure he could run Daniel's shopping list, and it would sound pretty good. So why that has to translate into, well, he's got to talk about the light and the sun and the dark and being the lord of everything... And then Seth Rollins is a bit like, yeah, well, I don't like what you're talking about, so let's have a fight. It seems crazy to me that there's so many good storylines you know, running throughout Raw at the moment that this one doesn't seem to get any time. I mean, it gets time in the sense that they're on television, but it doesn't really seem to progress or evolve or have a point. It just seems to be like, we need to put these two, we need to do something with Seth and Bray. Well, we just put them against each other. And I'm sure they have a good match but it's never going to be as good a match as I want it to be because the story's not there. And I imagine the crowd on the night will probably react similarly. I bet the crowd's quite dead for this. Hopefully I'm wrong. Love being proved wrong. I hope I'm being well too harsh. But yeah, it feels weak to me. I have to go with Bray Wyatt, even though I don't think he's going to win. But if Bray Wyatt loses again, WWE has lost the plot. And because he's a heel, he can do something to you He can win by cheating or whatever. So at least Seth Rollins... Has a get out clause. But I'm going with Brett White Bray White just because I cannot bet against him. Just because I like to believe that WWE wouldn't be that dumb, but it wouldn't surprise me. But let's hope Bray White wins this. I imagine it continues on as well. I can't believe it's a one and done. But yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it at all. Which is a shame. Because they're two of the most talented people in the company. And if you watch the uh the Seth Rollins video when he he filled in for Nakamura at the weekend when Nakamura couldn't make a SmackDown Hell show, that really summed up to me who Seth Rollins should be. I know a surprise is always gonna garner a better reaction, but he felt like a superstar. And I think there's there's I think he could change his character too. But anyway. Which brings us to the three matches I'm kinda guessing on, but I'm pretty sure are real. I imagine we're gonna get Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardys, given that the Hardys are the number one contender. I imagine there'll be a stipulation here to and 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 now, given what we know, I imagine the Hardy's are gonna win. Now that's a shame because again, we're hot shotting around a title, and that never really helps. You wanna you wanna try and build those up. But yeah, I mean I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Turn your radio down. Radio, it's 1962. But apparently Shameless is off to film a movie soon. So you're not gonna keep the tag titles on them. Also the Hardys probably need the belts back at this point if their characters aren't going to change just yet. Don't really think you can have them lose again, so I'm going to go the Hardys will win. I imagine it'll be really good too. I just think everybody involved here is fantastic. We're also probably going to see Finn Balor versus The Drifter. I know that sends a lot of people absolutely loony because they cannot believe that's the feud. But as I've said a few times, it's okay as long as it's just for great balls of fire. It's going to help The Drifter because he's working with one of the best wrestlers in the world. Finn can win this no problem. It's not going to upset anybody. And much like Joe versus Brock, hopefully Finn is, is talented enough that he knows what to do to ensure the, the drifter, or Elias Sampson, comes out the other side feeling like a bit more of, of a big deal. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. So I uh, I hope that... Uh, I hope that... It, I, don't, I don't have... A, look, if the drifter wins... Then we could all moan and complain. That is a stupid decision to make. We shouldn't be doing that. Finn Balor should be being built up for his eventual Universal Title shot at Brock Lesnar, which he's earned after his injury. Yada yada yada. But well, let's wait and see. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on this just yet. I think that ensuring that when new talent comes up, they are involved in important feuds and they're not just left on the shelf, which just happen all the time. I think that would uh, that would help. That would help. No. That would help no end. So we'll see what happens. Like I say, it could all go to hell. And I imagine we're going to see the Miz versus Dean Ambrose or maybe something with the Miz Tourage and, and, and a Dean Ambrose posse. This does lead us to Raw to talk about the LeVar Ball Miz segment, which if you haven't seen is is just... I mean, it's something else entirely. It's basically a famous American sportsman that us over here in the UK don't really know much about because he's, he's more on ESPN, which we don't get over here. And his and his successful basketball sons running amok on Monday Night Raw while we all sat there and watched it happened. And it was entertaining. Don't get me wrong, I cracked up constantly. You know, I, I couldn't believe it was going on. Obviously there was a a very offensive word uttered by one of his sons as well, which was just I mean, it was just it was a train wreck of a segment. But it was fun to watch. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying if somebody watched that or tuned in to watch that on RAW that They're going to tune in next week. But it was fun, and it made me laugh. And Dean Ambrose finding the whole thing hilarious cracked me up too. But at the same time, I do think maybe we need to try and control our celebrities, WWE, when they come on the TV. Because it was I mean, it got them a lot of mainstream press. If you search for it on YouTube or Google, it's everywhere. So it, it certainly achieved what it was meant to achieve. I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, fair play to LeVar Ball for having a good time. But at the same time, he did kind of make a mockery of pro wrestling. So I understand if, if you if you kind of fall each but well. But well done to the Miz. I thought the Miz proved that he has an absolute uh, handle on just you know controlling a segment now because he didn't let really it get too out of hand. He kept things on point. He kept it going as best as he could. So yeah, I thought that was a uh, and what a segment. The Miz has to win whatever kind of feud they get into at Great Balls of Fire. Then we should end this. Spin off Ambrose. I'd imagine the Ambrose then spins off with the Drifter, to be honest. And we can talk about that as and when it happens. And I imagine the Miz spins off with Finn Balor, actually. That would be my guess. So they go into an IC title program. Ambrose works with the Drifter. But yeah, if that does happen, I would put all my money money on The Miz. I may have missed some matches, obviously, because we have a week's worth of WWE TV, but I wanted to get my predictions out there. Again, go to Facebook.com, search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, uh, find the relevant thread with the predictions in it, and we can take it from there. Hopefully, mine are in there now, too. Did terribly last time. Hopefully, I'll do better today. So just to round up uh, the rest of the stuff we didn't talk about, On Raw and we kind of did actually didn't we we talked about everything the LeVar Ball was was really the last thing we we needed to touch on like Strowman Reigns was great the women's main event was great Lesnar Joe Chokeout was great the Enzo and Cass stuff was really good I mean I think what we should talk about as a whole is that this rating slump has done wonders for WWE because Raw finally feels like a show you want to watch three hours is still difficult to get through don't get me wrong that would be the same for anything though you know 3 hours is is such a long time to to dedicate your time to but it does seem to be like they're going back to the long game and while the ratings this week were down from last week they went up from hour 1 to hour 2 and hour 3 had more viewers than hour 1 and that never happens so hopefully this means people are buying into to what WWE is showing why the overall rating was down i don't know i can't possibly speak on that but to me there are positive signs even within that even within that number so yeah Keep it up. Keep the Enzo and Crass stuff you know, going. Don't have to rush it. I, I will mention the Goldust versus R-Truth one. That was a shame because they've done a really good job building that up too. And then all that happened this week was that Goldust walked down to the ring. And he was wearing his old attire. So that was really fun. But then it just beat him up. Just beat up R-Truth. And I'm not 100% sure where they go now. That I've missed that out of Great Balls of Fire. I really worry that's going to be on the pre-show. Because we went through a lot of matches just then. And it is only a B pay-per-view. And that would be a real shame because I think they have cut, you know, some of the best promos of TV over the last few months. I would have liked more, but I think they've been overshadowed by Enzo and Cass. That's clearly the more important program. If they do go at it, Goldust should win, though. I think Goldust has been the, the standout. And I think he deserves one more big run with somebody. So that would be uh, that would be my guess. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's not on the pre-show. Hopefully I'm, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, we are just a day removed from SmackDown. So we'll definitely get into that. We'll start where else with the women's money in the bank match. Whether or not they should have put it on free TV or whether or not this is teaching the audience that you don't have to watch the pay-per-views because, you know, all the good stuff will be on free television. I don't know. We're living in a different era now. Like the 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 network means they're not really pay-per-views. They're just shows that you can watch via a subscription service. Which does change, you know, are you really are you going to drop your 9.99 because you think that Money in the Bank didn't pay off the way you wanted it to? Of course not, because that's just a part of your package. You're still going to be watching the old stuff or the, the the new programming they put on there. So it doesn't really work how it used to work. I mean, beforehand, yeah, I'm not going to pay 60 bucks for Money in the Bank because I know they're going to pay it off TV, which I get for free. But it's not like that anymore. So I don't think it's a problem. Given that Carmella won, I'm now starting to think... At first, I thought this was part of the plan. I thought they did that Money in the Bank finish with James Ellsworth to spark controversy... But the fact that Carmella just won again here makes me think it was a reaction to the negative press that it got. However, I am glad that they did give it to Carmella again, because I think ever since she won the briefcase, she's proven there's far more there than a lot of people gave her credit for. She's been cutting good promos constantly. She comes across like a proper heel. People hate her, and it certainly does feel like it's something that's gonna elevate her to the next level, which is what the briefcase is all about. You shouldn't be the finished article. If you're the finished article, you shouldn't be getting the money in the bank briefcase. That should be for someone that needs Needs developing and needs something to grasp onto. So I was happy that happened. Thought the match itself was great. No crazy bumps. Uh or no crazy, it was some sort of you know dangerous-looking bumps and it was intense, but there was nothing too over the top. And I actually thought that made a nice change from what you were used to. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Now we, we've got that awesome shot, which is what a lot of us wanted of Carmela grabbing the briefcase. They still managed to work James Ellsworth in, uh, even though he was banned from the arena. But you know, Becky Lynch. She threw him off a ladder, so it's fine. He got his canuppance, which some other wrestlers or on-screen talent don't get. So at least he got what was coming to him. And he got run down by the face general manager, Daniel Bryan. So, you know, he got punished for acting like a bad guy. The other interesting coming out from the show is that, I mean, Baron Corbin beat Sami Zayn. Baron Corbin basically wiped the floor with him. And that's not too much of a surprise. Although I am intrigued to see what happens with Sami Zayn now because I just don't know where else he goes. It's such a shame for a guy that talented. But Baron Corbin is going into a feud with Shinsuke Nakamura. Or at least it's been incredibly strongly hinted that he is given that we cut to Nakamura in the back after Baron Corbin's match and he talked about him. But the thing is, I mean, they do enjoy giving the money in the briefcase to someone and having them lose because they think the briefcase protects them. But given how they booked Nakamura recently, and given what they think of Corbin, I'm really worried that Nakamura is not going to come out of this looking good. I'm not saying they're going to have good matches, but I'm saying I cannot see them. Nakamura right now should be being treated like a mega superstar of all proportions, and they just will not let him be that guy against Baron Corbin, because they think Baron Corbin's in the future. They don't think Shinsuke Nakamura's the future, or at least I don't think they do. But they want to make Baron Corbin your next big main event heel. And are you really going to get there by allowing Shinsuke Nakamura to be Shinsuke Nakamura and whoop his ass? This is going to be interesting. I mean, they'll probably fight uh, is it Battleground the next SmackDown pay-per-view. I think so. And do you really have the face go over the heel Money in the Bank guy in that first match? I mean, Nakamura, again, lost at a house show to Jinder Mahal. But that's a house show. I know we can say it's bad. And people still talk about it online and social media, blah, blah, blah. But it's still off TV. And I think that is where you can get your, your solace from this. But I think he could lose to Baron Corbin at that pay-per-view, and I don't think that's going to help Shinsuke Nakamura at all, especially because at the moment he, just feel, he already feels like he's treading water. He's only been up two months, and he's Shinsuke Nakamura. He should be changing everything. So I'm a bit worried about that. I shouldn't be worried, just wrestling. But I just don't think they're going to treat that in the way that it should be treated. But we'll see. Maybe it turns out to be the best feud of the year. Maybe Nakamura's that good. Maybe Corbin raises his game that much. We'll see about that one. That's, that's a really interesting decision by WWE. I mean, obviously, we're going to get back to the AJ Styles program eventually. Maybe not for SummerSlam, but maybe it will be uh, at WrestleMania. I'm happy with either. I'd be happy to go SummerSlam, Raw, Rumble, WrestleMania. Make sure they're 1-1 by WrestleMania, then have the rubber match. I think that would add so much interest and stock to all of that. And let's face it, it's not like those two will ever have bad matches. So I'm all right with that. I'm all right with them building that up. As long as the match happens, and as long as they put a lot of, a lot of thought and time into it, that, that works for me. So we'll see. Uh, t- talking about AJ Styles, he continues to feud with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens announced that next week on SmackDown, which is the July 4th SmackDown, there's going to be a battle royale to determine who the US contender, uh, the number one contender is going to be. Kind of makes me think it could be John Cena as he's coming back. But I also think John Cena is probably going to go into a program with Jinder Mahal. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I imagine maybe AJ Styles win it. You haven't finished with that feud yet. They have great matches. It doesn't feel too out of place. Sometimes I think I'd like that to be highlighted a bit more. But it is highlighted, if we're honest. Kevin Owens is great. AJ Styles is, pun intended, phenomenal. Hoping they have one more match at Battleground. Before you go from there, I don't know either. But still, I mean, it's two talented people being really talented on SmackDown. I enjoy it. I look forward to seeing them. That That's all that matters. The weird thing that did happen, we had the Lana versus Naomi rematch and Naomi won in about 40 seconds. I mean, Lana came in there, hit with a big move and then Naomi got up, did some spinny shit and she won. What is the plan with Lana now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get why we did this. So that was very strange. I don't understand the point of that. We didn't see any kind of cash in unless I missed it and fell asleep but I don't think I did. So what does Lana do next week? I mean, Rusev seems to be coming back next week and he was tweeting a lot about Lana so maybe they do just put them back together which would be ridiculous but I don't understand what unless somebody comes out and, and insults Lana and, and she goes into a feud with them I mean I don't actually think Lana's done that bad a job all things considered I'm not saying she should be in title matches but yeah I mean I guess this segues into a we don't, don't want to segue into an Omi Carmella thing now because the whole point is Carmella should always be threatening like oh I'm going to get you I'm going to get you we'll see And then we have to talk about the WWE title picture. Orton came out, he was all mad. He interrupted somebody now and I can't remember who it was, so you'll have to forgive me. And this led to Shane McMahon coming out and putting him in a match with Jinder Mahal at Battlegrounds. And as I was dreading, it is going to be a Punjabi prison match. I just hate it. Why can't it just be a cage match? Why can't it just be a cage match? Why, just because Jinder Mahal has Indian heritage, do we have to have the Indian match? And I do get it to a certain point of view. It's like we were talking about before. Having a stipulation does help the pacing of a show because it makes things look different. And the first thing you interact with everything is through your eyes. With that said, the Punjabi prison match has never been good. And you could argue that's because the great Kali was in a lot of them and that John Cena and Batista, when they were involved uh, respectively, managed to get decent things out of it. I think Triple H was in one once as well. Maybe I'm making that up. But it's just not a good match. I mean, I just, I just, I just don't like it. I don't like the the real emphasis on, oh well, Jinder's a Jinder's a heel, and he's Indian, so he would put him in a Punjabi prison match, would he? And everyone says, well, this is Jinder's speciality match, is it? I've never seen him in a Punjabi prison match. That's news to me. I, I don't, I've never heard him talk about a Punjabi prison match before this. So why, why all of a sudden is this? I don't. It just, it feels too gimmicky to me. It, I think it just takes too much off of Jinder Mahal and what he's trying to achieve. Maybe I'm being way too smarky and marky with this, probably. It just doesn't get me excited. I don't want to tune in to that pay-per-view to see a Punjabi prison match. Cage match would be fine. Hell in a Cell would be alright. I just think the Punjabi prison match feels too stupid when you have all these other match types. And it's only because he's Indian. It would be, as I said, I did a what culture video about this. It would be the equivalent... Of Brett Wade Barrett, uh, when he was in the, in, the, in, the, in the WWE, being like, well, let's have a fish and chip match. Let's have a Buckingham Palace match. It's just too gimmicky and too stupid when you've got matches that serve the same purpose, which is keep the Singh brothers out, that are more entertaining and fun. And I'd probably have a different tune if I'd ever seen a good Punjabi prison match. But I haven't, Ever. Like the Elimination Chamber. I love the Elimination Chamber because I've seen good Elimination Chamber matches. If they had all been awful, probably wouldn't have liked it. Same with Three Stages of Hell that I think we only ever saw once, maybe twice. But the one I remember, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Triple H in 2001, was awesome and therefore I buy into it. Stupid concept, really. Doesn't make any sense, but it was good. I don't know. I'm intrigued to see who wins this one. I don't think they're taking the title off Jinder Mahal anytime soon. So this would have to be the ending of the feud. I don't think you can squeak another jinder Orton match out unless you add Cena to it and do a triple threat at SummerSlam. And then Jinder could sneak out the win there as well. But we'll see. I, To be fair, you know, taking a step back, I thought both Raw and SmackDown were good shows this week. Um, Raw did a great job in building to great balls of fire. SmackDown did a very good job in planting the first seeds for Battlegrounds. I find out it's not Battlegrounds as soon as I finish this, but I'm pretty sure that it is. So that was uh that was top stuff all round by WWE this week. I didn't think there was that much bad on on either show. Uh, outside of WWE, again, we've got slammiversary coming up this weekend. I'm not gonna predict that just because I haven't watched enough TNA to to do it justice. I think Alberto del Patron will probably win the uh, will probably win the title just for a change, just to kind of cement a new a new start. And other than that, up and down the card, it could go either way. I've only watched a couple of impacts to really, to really buy in. I'm hoping that Mike Tanay and uh, Abyss... Mike Tanay, What am I talking about? Uh, Jeremy Borash and Abyss beat Scott Steiner and uh, um, Josh Matthews, just because I think Josh Matthews should come off the commentary booth and just be an on-screen talent, because he's really good at it. I don't think he needs to be behind the microphone anymore. On that note as well it's a little treat for anybody that actually listens the whole way through next week on the podcast and it's a shame i maybe i'll put it up before you know what i'll put it up beforehand just as its own thing and i'll do a highlight package next week because so he is going to be talking about slammiversary we've got a scott steiner interview now it is a conference call which means there's going to be a lot of people on it but look forward to that i'm going to ask him about his peaks I'm Going to ask him about his freaks I'm going to ask him about his peaks. But Slammiversary is this weekend, so I look forward to that. We also had the New Japan Long Beach shows. I'm very excited about them just because I want to see the Okada-Cody Rhodes match. I'm not adverse to Cody Rhodes winning that if they tell the story that Okada was beaten down so much through this year with all the great matches that he's had, that he kind of steals the world championship. I think that would work on a, on a global level in the sense that he'd be the Ring of Honor and the uh, and the new japan champion i think that would work fantastically well i think that would get in proper heat from people too we never get any real heels anymore any real bad guys and I, I i don't i don't think cody doesn't deserve it some people say he doesn't deserve it i think he's worked really hard and i think he's pretty decent pretty talented guy i think he's more than worthy of a world championship i don't think it's going to happen if i had to predict i'd say carda wins just because I think you've got more story options with Omega and the G1. If you didn't see, they announced the blocks for the G1. And indeed, Okada and Omega are in block B, which means they're going to face off. I think it's Sumo who on August 12th. So that's going to be... I mean, if I was in control, I would have Okada win this weekend at the Long Beach shows. Then I'd have Omega win in the G1. And then, you know, their record is one win to Okada, one win to Omega, one draw, and you go into Wrestle Kingdom next year. With a big blow-off match, as long as Omega sign a new contract, you have him win. He's your big face of the company. Start your big push into America. Do loads of American shows next year. I mean the interest right now for New Japan from my vantage point I, I mean, obviously it's not as big as it once was but certainly from a global point of view feels bigger than ever. I've never been a huge New Japan fan. I've always followed it because I'm a nerd and I subscribe to the Wrestling Observer, but this is the first time I actually feel like I'm starting to understand and this is the first year I'm probably going to watch the G, you know, probably watch the G1. I'm investing in it, I'm learning about all the dudes. And I can't wait. I love the fact we have a proper tournament that feels like a sporting event, and that it takes ages, and there's, you know, I, I'm really looking for, and that you get something at the end of it, you know, you get the equivalent of the Money in the Bank briefcase. So there's a story coming out of it as well. I find it baffling that WWE don't do more tournaments. So it's a really exciting week for wrestling. You know, this weekend especially, Great Balls of Fire, the two New Japan shows. If you do have access to Access TV, you can watch the Jim Ross and Josh Barnett Dominion commentary which includes, obviously, Omega versus Okada 2. And we've got Slammiversary 15. And while I kind of ragged on it a bit earlier, it could be a great show. We don't know. You know, this is really important for TNA. I'm just going to call them TNA. But it's really important for TNA because even if they don't do a good buy rate, if they can do a really good show and get that word of mouth going again, maybe they can start building this up. I mean, it sucks they're on pop TV, so the audience is, is never going to be as huge as they may want it to. But ratings went up this week. I think they did the best writing of the year. So there is interest in this pay-per-view. They're doing house shows in August. I think they're going to New York. A lot's going on. And impact is not terrible. That sounds really disparaging. But my point being is it is there are elements of there that you can see potential in. Way too many authority figures. I love Bruce Pritch's podcast. Not a massive fan of, of, of what he does on that, on that show, but I understand that it's mutually bene mutually beneficial. But there's something there. You know, Again, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting over it, but it's certainly not as bad as it was kind of early in the year before the change. They do have a great roster. Like when you watch it and you see dudes come out, like, oh yeah, he's on it and he's on it. And the X Division's always fun. But yeah, great week for wrestling. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, just to round up, and as a reminder, we're not here next week. I do apologize. I, I do need some time off. I have been working. I don't say, I mean, Everybody works hard. I get it. But I literally haven't had a holiday in years, so I'm going to take some time away. So we won't be here next week. But in that meantime, please do think about supporting, again, even if it's just to the YouTube channel, and, and this podcast will go up there Sunday, youtube.com forward slash C, forward slash the middle Report rules. And again, even if you can only spare a dollar, I'm shilling here, I'm begging, there's no two ways about it, but even if you can only spare a dollar, I can actually start to, to really push this stuff, and hopefully create a little community here that, you know, I can, I can turn into my, my everything, my 24-7, and that would be wonderful. Don't worry if you don't want to do it, it's all good. Everyone, you do with your money what you want to do, but you got to ask, right? Got to be honest with these things. Either way, thank you much, thank you very much for downloading Simon's Pro Wrestling podcast. Back to every Wednesday now. Definitely going to be every Wednesday for the foreseeable future. Not next week. Uh, enjoy, i hope you enjoyed the interview with the moose look out for maybe i will hold off the scott steiner interview just so i can put that up next week but either way keep an eye out for the scott steiner interview make sure you leave us a review on itunes five stars go into itunes search the podcast do all of that i'm on twitter at simon 316 join the facebook group facebook.com then search for simon miller's pro wrestling podcast but more importantly go out there have yourself a lovely lovely little day and i'll be speaking to you again very soon